G'day everybody and welcome to the first episode of Manufacturing Matters brought to you by the Australian Manufacturing Association. In this series, we'll be shining a spotlight on local Australian manufacturers, uh, giving you insight into their business, the type of products they make, uh, industries they service, um, and also give you some insight into some of the challenges they've faced over their manufacturing journey uh, and what's helped contribute to their uh, current success. Today with me, I have Mario Nastri from Class Plastics based in uh, Melbourne, Victoria. Mario, thank you for joining me today. Thanks, Steve. Nice to be here. Excellent. So, Mario, Class Plastics, tell me all about it. What What is it? Who do you service? What products do you make? Uh, Class Plastics is a uh, blow moulding manufacturer. We specialise in industrial rigid containers for liquid packaging. Um, that's, that's the short version. Yeah. In essence, we uh, manufacture 24 hours a day, five, six days a week in Melbourne and Brisbane. We make uh, plastic containers ranging from two litres up to about 30 litres. That's what we manufacture. We obviously on-sale products from one litre up to a thousand litres. Um, the business was, was born by two Italian gentlemen who started in East Keeler in the late 80s. And, and the journey started for myself in 1999. Okay. As a company, we've, we've grown two manufacturing sites, again, Melbourne and Brisbane, and we have distribution in South Australia and New South Wales. And we've become a pretty large, a medium-sized company in this industry. Yeah, awesome. So so started a while back and then uh, 99, you guys, you guys took over. Um, what, what, was the, what was the setup like back then comparative to what it is today? Was it one, one smaller factory uh, back, back when it was uh, first Back in 1999, when I joined, um, the business worked out of one shed in yeah. East Keelor, which um, was, a, was, was very small. And they were running quite a big business out of a very small building, a really old a red brick shed. Yeah. And I think within about five years, we owned about six properties in the street. So yeah. we had to get uh, licenses for our forklifts, uh, registrations. Uh, we used to load B-doubles at 10 o'clock on a Friday night on the gutter, which was probably illegal back then, but we did what we did. And um, when we got to 2008, um, we, we, we decided to make the move to a larger, larger premises. There's a whole story behind that, which we'll talk about soon. <laughs> no, that's cool. Okay. Um, so uh, just going back to the, the products that you manufacture, um, I know in our previous conversations that there's uh, a range of different grades of products as well. So from dangerous goods through to, uh, I guess, standard standard type products, food grade products and so forth. Is that right? Absolutely. Look, we, um, we I guess the basic products we make are water cans and we make non-dangerous goods. And I guess that's the market that's quite competitive. So back in the late 90s, uh, we had a general manager by the name of Anthony Jordan, or Tony, and Tony could see that where the business needed to uh, concentrate was to get its dangerous goods licensing um, in, in a few products. And that would set us, not set us apart, but probably knock out 50% of our competitors. Yep. So we'd be dealing in a, a higher quality product range. And probably that's been the basis for this company to succeed, is to, to look at the standards and aim for the top end of the standards yeah, cool. in our product range, yeah. which makes, in essence, Class Plastics is well known for its um, dangerous goods approved containers, yeah. um, quality, service, reliability, 
communication. It's yep. big in, our, in in for us. I find a lot of our competitors aren't great communicators. They might be great manufacturers, but they're not really good communicators with their customers. Yeah, so customer I think that's part of our business. It's very important. Yeah, customer service is so important, isn't it? Um, speed of delivery. Customer engagement's everything. Yeah, cool. Okay, fantastic. Absolutely. Um, so take us through, uh, actually, sorry, before I, I move on, what about uh, industries that you service? What are, what's the, who's the ideal client? And, oh, um, the ideal client, someone who orders half a million bucks a year and, and pays <laughs> their bill at 30 days. No, we deal in pharmaceutical, um, industrials, chemicals, cleaning products, fuel cans, water cans. So we service a large chunk of the four by four outdoor market with our fuel can range um, through super cheap, Mitre 10, BCF. We're probably in a lot of those sectors bar Bunnings. We don't deal with Bunnings. Okay. Um, there's many reasons behind that. Um, look, there's, there's food sector. You wouldn't think dangerous goods containers are used in food, but they are because uh, food starts from a concentrate especially yeah. flavours and fragrances. In most cases, those fragrances and flavours are highly t um, volatile acids yeah. and chemicals when they're concentrate. Yeah. So they've got to be um, transported in a certain way. Then they get even pesticides and fertilisers. Yeah. Then they get washed down. They get diluted by 10,000 litres once they're at the uh, end where they get used. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So, so yeah, variety, variety vast industries, vast. Yeah. 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 Cool. All right. So, so take us through your, your journey um, from, from 99. What, what, what did, what does that look like? Um, commenced in 1999. Uh, I'll say as a leading hand on the factory floor, but it was through a, an acquaintance of, of a, a a close family friend yeah. that I met the original owner of the company and that gentleman, Armando was looking for some youth and potentially a partner in his business. So he was looking at his um, forward planning yeah. or exit strategy, let's call it maybe down the track. And I just, I saw the opportunity. I just, I thought it was worth having a look at. So I locked myself in for a three month job, uh, working on the factory floor as a technician or learning to be a technician with no experience in the industry. Yep. But as a child, I had some experience in a, in a shoe factory, which had okay. injection molders, which oh, my father used to run. So I didn't really realize, but I had some experience already running, um, making desert boots okay. on a Saturday morning with injection molders, putting a sole on a shoe. Which was my Saturday morning job at 13 years old. <laughs> um, after that three month trial, I committed to purchasing shares in the company. Okay. Which is what I was requested to do. And I had to basically lock in. And nine years later, in 2008, both Daniel, uh, my business partner, and I, who Daniel was an employee of the company at the time, we um, bought the company. Okay. And the first thing on the agenda was to um, commit to two new machines and start planning, um, building a new site, yeah. which is something I had, I had visioned back in 2007. Yeah. We had to move. We were struggling with space. 
So um, we found land. We found 12,000 square metres out in Truganina. And there was nothing, nothing out here. And you come out here today and it's just wall-to-wall factories. Yeah. And in that time, we've, we've grown from, I remember in 1999, we're probably turning over $2.2 million as a business, but out of a small shed yeah. and servicing Sydney. And now we service four, four states comfortably and turn over $20 million plus. Yeah, wow. So, so I, I guess the first question that comes from that is, is what, what, did, you, what did you learn in that first three months? Because they always say that um, to be a great manager, you want to be able to show empathy and experience what it's like uh, for your employees themselves. So what did, what did you learn in that, that first three months um, of, sort well, of working on the floor? The reality is my background, my background is I've seen my father run a business or two. But I've never seen him turn up in a suit to his work. Yeah. So it was always on the. He was always an operations manager, even though he owned a business. And I guess the, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, because that's yeah. the only thing I know. Yeah. I know how to operate a business as a as a floor manager. Yeah. Um, I got, I'm not. I'm not very comfortable with running a business from an office. Yeah. So that first three months, I, I, um, befriended guys that worked there i became very close with people that worked on that factory floor and within three months i knew what was great what was bad what what made them what made them tick what what put a smile on their face and what made their jobs hard and i think it was a really good stepping stone to to um understanding the people in the business yeah after that i was lucky enough that um, general manager tony maybe saw the potential in me and wanted to send me overseas straight away to look at new machinery, look at product ranges, and, and, and learn a bit more about our industry. Yeah. And see what our competitors do and the level of um, innovation and investment they were in, involved yeah. in. So, yeah, that was my stepping stone. And, and, and did you find, because um, it's interesting that you mentioned looking at what the competitors do. So do you, did you, do you find that that gave you a really good insight into... Um, how things could be improved and how that could support yeah. the growth from where you were to where you are today. Well, obviously we would, we would buy products off competitors because we didn't have many of our own products. Yeah. And I guess the, the, the reality was you'd, you'd look at what you paid for a product. You'd look at the quality of the product. You'd look at what you'd listen to customers. So we, I'd go and see customers and listen to what they had to say and try and understand where as a business, we may have been lacking. And one of them was product range, but I kept hearing our quality was excellent. Yeah. So I realised we had something going for us. We had real, we had ex- exceptional quality, and we had great turnaround times on deliveries, but we didn't have many products. Yeah. So the challenge was how do we add, how do we double our product range, triple our product range, and keep that level of quality and service. Yeah. And I guess that's been the challenge all the way through to not lose any ground in yeah. those two areas. And obviously the, the, the I've got a, a physics and a mathematical background as well. The numbers always mean something to me. Yeah. So I, I can understand when you're making money and when you're not making money and time is money in this industry. Time is money. 
Because every right. every minute you don't make a container, you've lost the container. Yeah. So um, I realised that um, making a product, you have to make it in a the fastest time possible without losing any of that quality. Yeah, yeah. And to do that, you need really good machinery, really good systems, really good people. Yeah. And you need your machines to run without breaking down. Yeah. So, so and we had a part. Yeah. yeah, sorry. Go, no, go, go. Yeah. And our business partner, Armando, was all about quality and machines not stopping. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's the, the, in essence, that's what we're all about. Yeah, because I mean, we're going to work 24 hours a day. The machines yeah. have to run 24 hours a day. Yeah, because at the end of the day, that's, that's what your customers want, right? They want, um, yes. the, if the machines are running 24 hours a day, it means you've got the product to be able to uh, have that reliability and that quicker turnaround time. Uh, but obviously the focus on on quality because nothing else matters. Um, there, there's no point having a hole at the bottom of a of a of a that's container right. or a bottle. <laughs> you want to make sure that that's all that's all all nice and uh, nice and um, sewn up. Absolutely, um, absolutely. Yeah. No, cool. One of the okay. biggest challenges for a business like us is we make large products. Yeah. So if machines are running efficiently, twenty four hours a day, you your factory your warehouse space fills up within four days. Yeah. So then there's the sales side of the business it needs to sell 95% of what we make every day. Yeah. Otherwise you, you have to turn machines off after 10 days. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I think that's the big sweet spot of our business. We've always been able to sell at a ratio of what we can make. Yeah. Yeah, but it's being realistic with that, isn't it? It's it's being disciplined with it as well, um, and understanding where where that sweet spot lies. And uh, there's obviously yes. always a, a, a I guess a, a an aspect of do we do we go get somewhere else to store more products? But that's not necessarily uh, the right option. No, it adds no. additional costs, adds additional complexities, logistical challenges. Um, so yep. it's just being comfortable in in knowing where your um, your sales levels are at um, and your capacity to, to produce um, and, and staying disciplined to that to make sure that you're meeting all the markers that, that your customers want. Spot on. It's actually looking at your OEE yeah. and and actually saying I've got an, I've got an efficiency and I need to target seventy five percent plus, but I need my sales figure to match that seventy five percent plus. Yeah. And you know, tweak tweak both ways. Yep. So obviously, obviously, um, going from uh, when we're looking back to '99, and you're working out of the the six the six sheds, um, uh, then then scaling up to the the facility in Trigonina, and obviously scaling up operations, scaling up revenue, all those different sorts of things. Um, one one of the big challenges uh, that manufacturers typically come across is the ability to to have capital expenditure available to invest in in uh, new technologies uh, to be able to grow their business. Um, yes. So how, how did you guys um, plan for that? Accept uh, the fact that we're manufacturers yep. and drive a, have a simple life, yep. drive a mediocre car, <laughs> live in the suburbs, and don't get ahead of yourself because you've got money in the bank. Yeah. And actually have that discipline of saying, well, we've got, we've got cash flow. We're doing really well, but we need 80 to 90% of this cash flow has to stay in the business because we're growing. Yeah. We're investing in a you know $5 million premises. 
Uh, we've got new machines coming in every, on average, we'd bring in two machines every three years, every five years. Yeah. Um, there's always upgrades to, to plant and equipment. So the reality is there's 70% of your, your profitability is always kicking straight back into the business yeah. to keep it up to date and up to speed. Yeah. So obviously, and that's, that's where, that's where a lot of businesses go wrong. Yeah. A lot of businesses go wrong in their first five years. They start to make some cash. They start to make money. And the first thing they real they think is that they're going to reward themselves only Yeah. and think the business will plateau. Or they they actually let the business plateau, and just keep reaping the benefits out of the business. Yeah, but I, business. I assume I assume that that understanding um, and that discipline comes from obviously a, a goal that you're trying to achieve, right? And that that's a long term view, um, but constantly taking a step back, um, I guess coming out from the weeds of the daily operations to actually have those conversations and forward plan for that. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I guess for me, it's I. I Maybe it's my background, but I've seen I've seen businesses that don't survive, or have have a failure that they didn't see coming, whether it's a the factory burns down or machinery goes up, or they lose a nine a contract that's eighty percent of their business. I've seen that in my youth through my father's eyes. Yeah. So for me, for me, I'm it's like I'm in it's like I'm in a war. When I start when I'm in this business, it's like I'm fighting a war, and I've got to survive. So I felt like the first 10 years of my business, of this business for me, was survival. And it's survival of the fittest. And it's only after you get to a certain point, you actually say, well, now I've, now I can look at it from above. Yeah. I can get out of the trenches and be part of um, the next step of next growth spurt of this business. Yeah. So for those, those new, new manufacturers, um, that that's obviously a really important point is just accepting the fact that at least the first five to 10 years is going to be a real tough slog. Um, and that's just the reality. There's no if, buts or questions. There's no silver bullet that's going to change that no. for you. No. Um, it's just understanding that you, that's, that's just the reality and that's what you're going to have to do. But with proper planning, proper discipline um, and, and making sure you're always staying across the numbers as you are from a, a mathematical a ma- mathematician point of mm. view um, and yeah. interpreting those correctly, um, you're going to be able to, to to get to where you want to go, but you've got to keep that that future goal in mind. Look, you've got to be motivated. You've got to be motivated, but you've also got to reward yourself along the way. And yeah. everyone's everyone's different. And for me, rewards for me a reward is just going out once a week for for a bite or a dinner, whether it's with family or with with staff, yeah. and just enjoying the little wins along the way, and maybe just um, acknowledging the little challenges and wins along the way. You know? Yeah. Um, you know, advice to other manufacturers. Um, I wrote, I wrote, turn around now and run. Don't look back, <laughs> which is a joke. But if you're in manufacturing, then you must give 110% to be successful. Yeah. Okay. There's no half-hearted approach to success. If you, if, you, if you think that way, you'll never be successful. I don't even think we're successful, to be honest. I still think we've got way, a long way to go to be successful. Um, don't be scared to make mistakes as long as the mistakes are calculated into the end result, right? Yeah. And planning is key to any action. Don't, don't just make it a off, off the cuff decision. Have a little bit of thought process behind it. And the most important thing is enjoy the ride. 
yeah. enjoy the ride, even the bad stuff, you know, even when it feels like a, a roller coaster that you didn't sign up for, enjoy the ride. Breathe when the going gets tough and just think of the options you have before making a final decision. Yeah, nice. Just really enjoy the ride. Enjoy nice. it. Yeah, so, you know, yeah. like even every week you might have a bad week. It might have been a week that sucks. You might have dropped 20 grand on, a, on an electric motor or whatever it is. You might have staff not turn up to work. Just breathe. Look at the good things in your life and 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 value the, the good stuff, the yeah. simple stuff. Yeah. No, good, good. I think that's I think that's sound advice um, from somebody that's been in the game a, a long time and uh, has been through all the challenges. And, and it's interesting. Um, it's interesting. Like we we've got a, a, a thing called the success dichotomy, which I think is what you're kind of referring to there. In that you want to celebrate your success and you want to be comfortable and, and be happy with where you got to, but uh, at the same time, to be able to move forwards, you've got to be super critical on every aspect um, and plan to, to improve in all of those aspects to, to make sure that you keep moving forward. Yep. Look, sometimes I'd say over the last 20 years, there's been times where it's, it's head down and bum up all the time. So you've got nine months of that of the year where you just work, 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 work. And then when you do take a deep breath, cause you think you've achieved something, you actually, I, I find I like to sit back for a month or two and then watch watch the, uh, I'll call it the worker bees yeah. act without me getting involved and yeah. see if things take a turn. If we, if we can keep a steady, a constant, um, work process moving, yeah. whether it's in sales, whether it's in dispatch, admin production, and then just put, put my, my 20 cents back in when it's needed. Yeah. And I think every two or three years I go through that growth spurt where I, get back on the factory floor and help with the the uh, infrastructure build of the next step yeah and then and then step away from it when i think the infrastructure's there to handle it so making sure that the, the you, you work hard to implement the systems and processes that allow your team to then take over those and and yep. help them to be successful which in turn makes you successful yep I've, and i've made mistakes along the way i've walked away i think i've walked away from the uh, production floor for a a, a, like a, a nine-month period at one stage where we had an operations manager employed and we might have been winning in certain areas but we failed in other areas yeah and that was based on the strengths of that operations manager or weaknesses of that operations manager so you just need to and it's good that's a learning curve for me yeah so when i'm actually looking at employing someone to do a task look yeah. at their strengths and weaknesses and make sure that let them let them win on their strengths and back them up where they're weak. Yeah, yeah, no, fantastic. I think that's I think that's sound advice from a leadership point of view as well. So, Mario, I don't want to take up too much more of your time this morning. No I really appreciate you having me. But uh, where where can people uh, get in contact or look at look at your information? It's online on your website. Absolutely, we've got a website, classplastics.com.au. Um, might be a little bit clunky, but it's a it's a manufacturer's website. It's actually quite good. There's a couple of good videos on there of some innovative products that we've made over the years. There's some definitely some great information on there. Um, definitely for people in our industry, there's uh, product uh, MSDSs, product data specification sheets. There's industry specific pages. And there's definitely a, a link where you can, we can click onto and ask whatever questions you like and someone will get back to you within 48 hours probably. Yeah, fantastic. Um, not really good. So everybody out there listening, 
if you've got an interest in what Class Plastics do, please check them out, classplastics.com.au. Uh, I can say from personal experience that Mario and Daniel are fantastic human beings. So um, you'll have a you'll have a great experience. You'll have a you'll have a great time, uh, not just from a customer service point of view, but um, getting along with them just great to in in doing business with them. So Mario, again, thank you very much for your time. Really, really appreciate it. Um, yeah, thanks, mate. Thanks, Steve. It's been a pleasure. Awesome. Enjoyed and, it. And uh, everybody, please uh, check out our website at www.australianmanufacturingassociation.com.au. Remember, we've got our manufacturing roundtable coming up uh, shortly on the 29th of November. If you want more information, uh, please reach out to us, contact us through our website um, or, or email me at steve at australianmanufacturingassociation.com.au. Mario, thank you again. Uh, look forward to catching up with you soon. <music>